but for eternity. Amen. Aren't you glad of that? Turn around and shake somebody's hand this morning and tell them you're glad they came to church.
All right. Well, let's turn to number 300. Number 300. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Amen. If you saved, you ought to be. There is a song in my heart today, something I never had. Jesus has taken my sins away. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Oh, say, but I'm glad, I'm glad. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Jesus has come and my cup's overrun. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Wonderful, marvelous love he brings into a heart that's sad. Through darkest tunnels the soul can sing. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Oh, say, but I'm glad, I'm glad. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Jesus has come and my cup's overrun. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Won't you come to him with all your care, weary and worn and sad? You too will sing as his love you share. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Oh, say, but I'm glad, I'm glad. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Jesus has come and my cup's overrun. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Amen. I'm thankful I'm saved this morning. Turn to 34. Number 34. Living by faith in Jesus above. I care not today what the morrow may bring, in shadow or sunshine or rain. The Lord I know ruleth for everything, and all of my worry is vain. Living by faith in Jesus above, rusting, confiding in his great love. From all harm's way, in his sheltering arms, I'm living by faith and feel no alone. Though tempests may blow and the storm clouds arise, obscuring the brightness of life, I'm never alarmed at the overcast skies. The master looks on at the scribe, living by faith in Jesus above, rusting confiding in his great love. From all harm's safe, in his sheltering arms, I'm living by faith and feel no alarm. I know that he safely will carry me through, no matter what evil betide. Why should I then 
care though the tempest may blow, if Jesus walks close to my side, living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in His great love. From all harm's in his sheltering arms, I'm living by faith and feel no alone. Amen. Praise God. Let's turn to 271. 271. Find that one, sister. 271. In the garden. I come to the garden alone While the dew is still on the roses And the voice I hear falling on my ear The Son of God discloses, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we carry has ever known. He speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet the birds hush their singing and the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we carry there, none other as ever known, I stay in the garden with him, though the night around me be falling, but he bids me go through the voice of woe. calling, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we carry there, none other. As ever 
Amen. Praise God. Thank you, sister. Amen. I picked up this guitar a minute ago, and I said, well, that's out of tune, but I was singing, and God said, play your guitar. He didn't say it out loud, but I knew it in my heart. Amen. I'd still be running if he said it out loud. Amen. Thank God he don't speak out in an outside voice. Amen. That'd be kind of spooky, wouldn't it? Booming from the clouds. Well, praise God. I got to tune this. So y'all going to have to give me just a second to play my favorite little Chinese song called Tuning. Give me just a second. I have to find my, find my app on here. Praise God. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't intend to do that this morning, but like I said, God God laid it on my heart, so I'm gonna obey. Oh, it's there anyway. Never mind. Take my hand and don't look away. 
blood trusted my love believed upon my name just look in my eyes come to me don't look away from me don't look away from me God gives me songs, amen. God gave me that one many years ago when I needed it, when I was going through a moment of doubt, and the devil was on my shoulders and whispering in my ear and saying, God's through. He's not had enough of you, boy. You done failed him one time too many. And God, how many times do you think he's going to give up, put up with you? You know, he was just wearing me out in the shower. I'm sitting there getting ready to go somewhere, do something for the Lord, and he's just kicking me and saying, you ain't nothing. God's sick of you. Over and over and over. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And you get right back up and do it again. I don't even remember what it was. But you know what? I was standing in the shower and I said, you are, you're a liar, devil. You're a liar. Jesus said you're a liar. I'm just yelling at the devil in the shower. I'm sure anybody had been in the bathroom that thought I'd lost my mind. But, you know, hey, sometimes you just need to haul off and yell at the devil and tell him what Jesus said. Amen. Get out of here. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Tell the devil to leave you alone. Turn yourself over to God let him have you. That ain't what I come to preach on this morning, but that'll work, amen. But uh, I want to preach to you this morning. Take your Bible, turn to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. And I'm glad you came to church this morning, amen. So glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. and glad to be here with you. And, uh, and I hope God will meet with you this morning. I intend for him to. I've prayed about it, and I've asked him to meet with us. And we're going to pray here in just a minute and ask him to meet with us again. And, uh, and let's, let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll read verses 7 through 12. Only, only six verses of Scripture we're going to cover this morning, so we shouldn't be too long. But let's read this morning. Verses 7. Let's read the whole chapter. How about that? 7 through 12 anyway. Let's read down through 12. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in among, uh, unto you, that it was not in vain, but even after that ye, we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile, but we were allowed, as we were allowed to speak of, allowed of God, I'm sorry, I'm getting all tangled up, as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. And now our text version. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring day and night, night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. 
as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. May the Lord add his blessing this morning to the reading of his word. Let's go to him in prayer. Lord, I love you so much. My Father, I'm so grateful this Sunday morning, Lord, to have the Word of God open in front of me to be able to preach to your people. And Father God, I pray this morning the Holy Ghost of God would just fill me and control me, speak through me. I, I yield myself to you fresh, and I ask you, Lord, please, take me. I'm your vessel. Put your hand on me, fill me, and pour me out time and time again, Lord, till your people receive what they need. Lord God, I pray that the Holy Ghost of God would open hearts, minds, and understanding this morning so the message might sink in and be imprinted on hearts. Father, I pray for the ones who are listening in this morning. Lord, by way of uh, uh, the Internet, Father, I pray, Lord, that your blessing be upon them. Lord, I pray, Father, for the ones who are tuning in watching on Facebook. Lord God, I pray, that, Lord, that you'd bless them. Lord, speak to hearts all over the world today, Lord, through this message. Speak to our hearts here. In Jesus' name we pray. We give you all the glory, Lord. Amen. All right. Praise God. It is good to be in God's house. And uh, and I know you're glad to be here. Amen. And I'm glad you're here. I want to remind you just a little bit, because I know these folks here wasn't here before. Paul is on his missionary journey over here. And he, has, he has made it all the way across uh, Asia as Asia as we know it, Asia Minor, he's made it all the way across Galatia, he's made it all the way over here, and he's crossed over from uh, from Ephesus, they crossed over here, actually not from Ephesus to Troas, to Thessalonica, and here in Thessalonica, which is in Europe, it's not over here in Asia Minor, it's not in the Middle East, it's in Europe, and it was the first church that Paul ever wrote a letter back to. So he, they they came up here and, and, and they went to Philippi. And you remember what happened in Philippi, right? They were at Lydia's house. They were, they were preaching with Lydia down by the riverside, you know. And, and people got jealous. People, Jews got mad. And they and he ended up, Paul and Silas ended up getting arrested falsely. They were beaten by a Roman soldier. They were beaten with a cat of nine tails. Their backs were bloody, laid open, bleeding everywhere. They put them unjustly, uncondemned in a... In a in a prison there in Philippi, and in the middle of the night, down in the dungeon, Paul and Silas began to sing praises to God. Their chains fell off. The earthquake happened. God sent an earthquake, broke the, broke the chains off. The doors came open. The jailer came running out, thinking the prisoners had escaped, and knowing that meant his own life for the life of the prisoners who lost, and he thought he was going to die anyway. He took out his sword, about to kill himself. The Bible tells us over in Acts that he, that he fell down before them, and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. It wasn't no church membership. It wasn't no good works. It was believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, because that's the only way to be saved, is by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no works added to it. There's no nothing taken away. It's not a plus or a minus issue. It's Jesus, 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 and nothing more. Amen. So, in verses 1 through 6 of this chapter, Paul is discussing when they were there with them, and he was discussing the things that he did not do, okay? He was talking about, he was talking about the things that he didn't do. He was telling them, uh, if, you, if you remember, we were reading just a minute ago, he said, he said our exhortation, he said, uh, he said our encouragement, he said, you know, 
it wasn't that we weren't we weren't lying to you about anything. It wasn't of deceit and nor uncleanness. We weren't trying to trick you or or be deceitful of any way. Uh, we weren't jealous. We weren't trying to uh, get rich off of you. We weren't we weren't trying to flatter anybody and puff them up. We were just preaching you the true word of God. And he was he was saying all these things that he didn't do. And but you know when I when I say that, I want you to understand he's going now in verse seven through twelve. So what he did do, he's looking. We're going to look this morning at the positive side of his ministry versus last week we looked at the negative, the things he didn't do. And I want to say this before I get too far in this message. There's a danger uh, of people looking at Christianity as a, as a negative standard. And what I mean by that is just a bunch of don't do this, don't do that, don't do much of anything in particular. Just you just it's just a don't 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 lie. And they look at Christianity and they say, you know, that's a miserable way to live. You just got to have a big, long don't, don't, don't list. But that is not the way it is to be a believer. Amen? There are definitely some negatives, sure enough negatives in the Christian faith. I mean, if you're going to have a genuine testimony for Christ, you know, there's some things you just can't do as a believer or you won't have a testimony at all. And, and we've seen several of them highlighted in verses 1 through 6. Paul was naming them. If you're going to be like that, you can't be a preacher of the Word of God. You can't be a Christian who's sharing the message of the Word of God if you're trying to take advantage of people, if you're doing it the wrong way. But listen, let me say something to you. Christianity is not, it's not it don't consist of what you don't do. It's, it consists of what you believe. It cons- the Christian life consists, uh, again, what you believe and the life you live and the service that you give to Jesus. That's what the Christian life is. It's not a don't, don't, don't list. Uh, Paul, Paul reveals to us here the secret of why he was able to be so effective in Thessalonica. And he was effective. They, I mean, that church thrived. We talked about that, how that church was thriving, even though it was, again, let's remind ourselves, there was not one single believer in Thessalonica when Paul showed up. They were all either Jews who worshipped who worshipped God and followed the law and rejected Christ, so they were either unbelieving Jews or they were all idolatrous heathens who worshipped pagan idols, multitudes of little g-gods, and and lived very uh, sensual lives, basically did whatever their flesh told them to do. That was the atmosphere that Paul came into. So he walked into that kind of atmosphere, and nobody knew the name of Jesus, and nobody cared. But he came into into that environment, and he began to preach to them Christ. He came into that environment, and, and, and uh, in verses 7 and 8, he uses a picture of a nursing mother to describe the way he loved and cared for those souls there in Thessalonica. Look at verses 7 and 8. He said, but we were gentle among you. in the, the nursing mother gentle with her baby? We were gentle among you even as a nurse cherisheth her children. I think of a, a mother holding a newborn baby and just the, the smile on her face and the glow on her because she's she's just given birth to a baby and she's just so thrilled to have that child in her arms. And, and you know, that's that way she looked at her baby. That's the way Paul looked at those new believers. Those were those were his converts. And in verse eight he says he said so being so I mean that that prefacing that so that that, that that word that goes beyond our comprehension. It goes b- beyond what we can conceive of. We Paul says, you know, I so love them, but we, we, we can't fathom it. We, we try to, but we can't because we weren't there. 
but we know it's way beyond anything we can conceive of because we weren't in that situation. He said, so being affectionately desirous of you. In other words, we loved you so much. Our hearts were just, just filled with love for you. He said that we were willing to have imparted unto you to, to, to have given you not not the gospel of God only. Not to, We didn't want to just come there and, 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 and give you Jesus. We weren't just willing to bring Jesus to you in, in the way of salvation. He said, but we were also ready to, ready to lay down, give our own souls. He said, we would have died for you. Isn't that how a mother feels about her child? She'd give her life for her child. Right. And that's how Paul felt about them. I gladly give my life up for yours. He said, why? Because you were dear unto us. We loved you. Here's the compassionate heart that made the Apostle Paul's successful ministry possible because he had that heart, because he had that kind of love. He was taking care of them just like a new mother takes care of her baby. Like I said, being willing, if necessary, to lay our own life down for a child, and he was willing to do that for them. And that wasn't an exaggeration, y'all. It revealed the loving heart that Paul had when he dealt with these people that he had led to know Jesus as his, as their Savior. You know, it, you know, I, I care for this church. I love y'all, and I want y'all all to be blessed. I want God. I want God to be real and manifesting in your life. I want. I want you to be growing in grace and and and, and getting into a deeper relationship with God. I want. I want you to come in and tell me about the things that God's doing in your life. I want to hear about the prayers that God's answered for you. I want. That's exciting to me. That's just like a, a mother when a child comes in and says. Hey, I got a great, I got a good, I got an A, you know, and, and she's, oh, that's great, or it comes in and brings something that they made, you know, it, it, it's, it, that makes a mother pleased to see her child growing, and you know what, a pastor looks at it, those who he preaches to, and he sees them growing, and it does, it just, it just does something to your heart, and that's what was happening with Paul there, you know, Paul's love for the Thessalonians, I mean, it raises a question with us. Have we lost our heart in the service of God? I mean, do we still have a heart for the service of God? Do we? Does our heart still beat for folks to be saved? Do we still care about that? I mean, I know we live in a world where, like the Bible says, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. I understand that people are not as friendly and not as loving, not as open, not as kind as they maybe once were because this world has gotten darker. But let me say to you, the church should not let that affect them. Amen? Hey, church, hey, listen. Believers should not have our lights dimmed because of this world. Amen? I don't care what's going on around us. We ought to stay focused on the main thing, which I said earlier in Sunday school. The main thing is still the main thing. It's winning people to Jesus Christ. And if we're not reaching people for Jesus, we're nothing more than a glorified supper club, and we need to shut her down. We've got to be about the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Amen. And Jesus, I mean, you think about it. Jesus chastised the church at Ephesus, which was the church he bragged on the most in, the, in, in Revelation when he's writing to those seven churches at Asia, in Asia Minor. He, he bragged on them for their work. He said, thy labor and thy patience and, and all that. But then in verse 4, he criticized their motives. Listen to Revelation 2, 4. He said, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Now, what did he mean by that? He, he mean you're still serving me, but your heart's not in it. You're just going through the motion. 
There's nothing worse. Let me say something. There is nothing worse in this world than being in a marriage with somebody who's only going through the motions. You know they don't love you. They're just there because they ain't got nowhere else to go. There's nothing in this world more miserable than being with somebody who don't want to be with you, but they're just there because it's easier than finding something else. And listen, I'd hate to think that God looked down at me and thought that's the way I'm treating him and and the, and the ministry he's called me to serve in. And I'm not talking about as a pastor. I'm talking about as a believer because whether, whether you recognize it or not, everybody in here that's saved has a ministry. It's not just the pastor. A believer has a ministry, and our and our mission field is this whole wide world. And amen. So listen, God says be careful because you can lose your love. You can lose your passion for what what we're doing here. Amen. And he criticized that, that church at Ephesus, again, which was one, one of the best churches in all of Asia Minor. And he was bragging on for everything else, but it was they had, they had lost their zeal. They had lost their love. They had lost their love for him. And when your heart ain't in it, all you do is go through the motion. And sometimes we do things for God simply because it's our duty to do so. And let me say this. If you can't find any other reason to do something for God, do it because it's your duty. But but listen, it ought to come from a deeper place than that. That ought to be the very basic minimum, and we ought to try to rise above that. Listen, Paul had come into the city of Thessalonica to people he had never seen or heard of before in his whole life. But now he loves them. Trophies of grace. Souls that Jesus bled and died for. As a daddy loves his children, he loved these newborns in Christ. Again, not just as a a nurse and mother, but as as a daddy did. And he reminded them, and and he reminded them in verse 9 that when he was there with them, he worked hard. He worked hard when he was there. Look at verse 9. He says, For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring day day and night because we would not be chargeable to any of you. We've preached unto you the gospel of God. And he says our labor and travail. He said, you remember our hard work and the troubles we went through, laboring, working there for you. Amen. And and, and he did it for them because he he didn't want them to have to pay his way. Amen. He didn't come there and say, hey, Y'all put me up in the best hotel in, in Thessalonica, and I want I want three square meals a day. Y'all make sure y'all feed me this. I got these dietary needs. Make sure all this is met. He didn't do none of that. They some I'm gonna say this because I want to. They some preachers that's so full of themselves and finicky. They go anywhere. They got to stay in a certain hotel. They ain't, they ain't satisfied in somebody's home or stay in a in a Motel Six or anywhere like that. And I mean, they want to be fed the nicest things and riding a fancy car. And listen, that ain't about the ministry. That's about being trying to be somebody you're not. Amen. Listen, listen. Paul, Paul is the absolute example of what a minister ought to be. He didn't work a forty-hour work week. When it came to four thirty, five o'clock in the afternoon, he didn't say, "Well, rest of the day's mine, boys. I'm going fishing or something. I'll see y'all later." He didn't do that. No. He, he didn't say, "I can do whatever I please." He was a bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He belonged to Jesus. Like we sang this morning, first song we sang, now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me, not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. I belong to him. I'm his possession. He paid for me. What did it cost? It cost his blood. 
Hey, that's a higher price than anybody's ever paid for anything. Amen. I've said it before. You're the most expensive item ever purchased in the history of the whole wide world, universe, the whole shooting match. How? Because it costs the blood of God's own son. It costs God's blood to pay for you. That's, that's an expensive price. Nobody's ever paid for anything else. That makes you worth something. Amen. So you belong to him. And again, he was, he was under orders. Like Paul was under orders like a soldier. You know when a soldier's under orders? It don't matter if his day, if your day requires eight hours or ten or twelve or twenty-four. However long he's got to be on the field, he's got to be on the field. However long he's required to be in a battle, he's required to be in a battle. He can't say, well, it's five o'clock, y'all. I'm, I'm going to take my gun, hang it up. I'm going to the house, going to play cards here or something. Stay till the battle's over. And that's what Paul had to do. He had to stay in the fight. He couldn't just quit. He was on duty, on call. Like a nursing mother. You know, when that baby cries, you can't say, well, I'm off. Two o'clock in the morning, that baby's in there. Aah! You can't say, well, I ain't on. I'm not back on the clock till eight. That baby's just going to have to wait for about six hours. That ain't the way it works in there. Nope. <laughs> you get up and you take care of it. Amen. And, and Paul, and that's what Paul did. Paul was there. Whatever he, wherever he was needed, he was he was on call. Amen. And we all need to realize that. You and I, not just the pastor. Every one of us are on call. If God needs us, and He put and He puts it on our heart to do something for Him, it don't make no difference what time of the day or night it is. We're to get busy. Amen. Listen. Back in that time, when Paul was doing all this, Bible says he worked day and night. And in and, and, and apostolic times, way back then, it was customary when it got dark, you stopped working and you went to bed. That was pretty much it. You didn't go hang out at the coffee shop and do this, run to Walmart. There wasn't nothing. There wasn't no streetlights coming on. You went in the house and went to bed. That was all it was. So so that's what they did. But you see, and a person who worked night and day back then was very unusual. But that's what Paul did. He worked night and day. Think about it. Many a lonely hour, he was praying with somebody. He was either praying for somebody or praying with somebody. He was trying to help somebody come to Christ. He was asking the Holy Ghost to give somebody understanding of the gospel message. A lot of times he was alone on his knees throughout the night before God, getting power, strength, and wisdom to know how to do what he needed to do the next day to be a true servant of Christ. He had to have, he depended on God. He depended on the power of the Holy Ghost. And so he was, he stayed many times, spent the whole night in prayer. The Christian life is not a continuous vacation. I know some people think it is. We just, we just, you know, we, oh, it's flowers and beds of ease. You know, we just, we just walking around on rose petals. It's so wonderful. I ain't ever have no more troubles once you get saved. <laughs> you didn't, you ain't never met the devil till you got saved. Now you headbutting him everywhere you go. Amen. No, Christian life's not a vacation. But, I mean, let me let me say this, because I'm fixing to take one. I don't want to talk too bad about vacation. Uh, I'm, fixing, I'm fixing to take, take about a week vacation, and you need one every now and then. You know, every now and then, we ought to have a little vacation, a little period of rest. We have to. We'll burn out. And, you know, Jesus even took his disciples sometimes off for a rest. And you've got to do that. You've got to, you've got to rest. You've got to relax. You've got to recharge so you're able to, to, to go back out and fight another day. But, you know, I mean, you need to take time. You need to take time just to sharpen the axe. Just take a little rest and then get back in the battle. But, again, the Christian life, is it's not a question of doing as little as we can get by with. 
Instead, our lives should be poured out daily in dedicated service for the Lord because didn't he give his all for us? Amen. Didn't he give his all for us? Over and abundantly. Therefore, we should give our all for him. In our songbook, there's a song called Take My Life and Let It Be, written by a lady named Frances Havergill. Let me read you. She expressed this desire that Paul had. She puts it all into her hymn. I want you to listen to what the words say. It says, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite will I withhold. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. It is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour. At thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. That's my desire. It ought to be your desire. We ought to want Jesus to have us all completely and totally. We ought not be selfish with any of us, any part of us that we wouldn't give to God. And Paul is just let, letting that desire manifest in his life by surrendering to the leadership of the Holy Ghost and letting Christ love others through him. He's, he's, he's not trying to, to, to serve in the ministry on his own, in his own intellect, by his own view of things or his own feelings. He's letting God work daily through him by staying close to God, staying at God's throne in prayer, begging God for power, uh, stating daily that he's helpless without him and that he, he needs him every step of the way. Listen, let me say this to you this morning. One of the greatest, and I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again, one of the greatest things you can ever do in this Christian life is to admit that you are weak without God. I know that's not something men like to do is admit that we're weak. We like to pretend that we're strong and we can handle anything and everything that comes our way. But I'm going to tell you something. If you want to be a great servant of God, you're going to have to set your own strength aside and you're going to have to lean on God's strength because you can't do, you can't serve God in your strength or wear out. You need God's strength. You need his wisdom. You need his help. You need his guidance and you need his courage and his strength every step of the way. And when you finally come to the point to where you realize You cannot do it without him. And you lay it all down and say, God, I'm helpless. Please be my strength, be my courage, be my everything. And when you surrender and give up and take your hands off of it and say, Lord, it's in your hands. Guide me, work through me, steer me. I'll follow you every step of the way and I'll obey you. God will take over and you'll begin to see him do great things in your life. But not until you turn loose and let him have it. And Paul was good at letting God take over and letting him have Uh, letting him have the leadership in his life. In verses 10 and 11, Paul changed, again, he changed that picture of a nursing mother caring for a child to that of a father who loves his children. I want you to see this. He says in verse 10 and 11, Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly 
and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Also, you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. So what did he, how, did, how did he do this? He behaved in a holy manner. He, he behaved in a righteous manner, in an unblameable manner. In other words, he didn't do anything in front of them that they could say, well, that, that goes against what you said in your message. Uh, you preach this, but you're doing that. See, he said, I didn't do any of that. I, didn't, I walked according to what I preached. In other words, my testimony backed up my message. Amen? That has to be. Amen? And, and he said, he said, listen, he said, I was holy and just and unblameable before you. And he said, we exhorted. So we encouraged you while we were there. Amen? And sure, a father should encourage his children. Amen? Don't you agree? I mean, if all, and I'm going to tell you something. I love my daddy. My daddy's in heaven. But my daddy was the world's worst about tearing somebody down. My daddy would, would tear me down just as soon as look at me. And I mean so bad. And I know now looking back, I can look back on it with, as a grown-up and understand that he, he had a lot of, he had a lot of uh, insecurities. And those insecurities manifested in him trying to berate somebody else to make himself feel better. That was just his flaw. And, you know, it didn't work very well. It didn't make me feel very good at all. And so, and when you tear somebody down daily, it can destroy them. It took years for me to come back from all that. But let me just say this. When a father encourages his children, listen, it gives them a confidence that they won't find nowhere else. When I was little, before my dad started doing all that, you know, when I was a little man, whenever he went, you know, you know, people, we'd walk in the store and somebody would say, y'all, all three walk just alike. Me and my brother walked behind him. We all had the same, had the same walk, you know. And uh, it's something good about a parent encouraging their children. And not only that, it says and comforted. You know, I, when a child's heart's broke, when they hurt, I know mama is usually who they run to, but when somebody's done them wrong, they want to go to daddy. Daddy says, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you how to handle that next time that happens. He'll give you some advice. He'll comfort you and say, hey, I got, I, I'll, give you some, I'll give you some help. He'll comfort you. And not only that, he says we exhorted, we comforted, and we charged every one of you. So he's saying we gave you some instructions as to how to do things, how you're supposed to live. So so encouragement, comfort, and instruction. That's what a dad does for his children. A good dad does that and gives them advice on how they're to live and helps them. He said, he said we did that to every one of you. So again, it, these images, they accurately portray his heart for these people. And, no, and the words, every one of you, it reminds us that true ministry is a personal ministry. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Everybody's different. Everybody's got different personalities. People are different. They think differently. They look at things differently. They feel different. There's a lot of differences between us. And so we have to be, you know, you you got some kids, and, you know, if you give them a stern word, it just goes in one ear and out the other. You, another child does the same thing with They fall to pieces. Everybody's different. You have to learn how to deal with people. And uh, and we have to learn how to do that in ministry, too. We have to learn how to how to read who we're talking to and deal with them accordingly. You know, 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 24, Paul said this. He said, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. He said to the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews. I got on their level where they were at. 
to them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. He says to them that are without law, in other words, the ones that are not Jews as without law, he says not being without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. In other words, ones that never knew the law of Moses, he said, I I became, I, I didn't come to them trying to make them Jews. No, I came to them right where they were at, met them in their need. He said, to the weak became I as weak. I didn't come uh, to somebody who was who was weak and battled and sin. I didn't come at them like some high, mighty somebody on my high horse riding up looking down on them. I got right down where they were at in their pain and suffering, and I, and I didn't judge them. I met them, and I said, hey, you need the Lord. He didn't come at them and attack them. He, came, he, he dealt with them each according to their needs. Isn't that how God deals with us? I think that's how God deals with us. And again, that's how a father deals with his children if he does it the right way. Because if you've got some that are sensitive and some that are not, you've got to handle them different. And God, the Holy Ghost, is able to work in us and give us discernment and know how to deal with people when we try to minister to them. So, again, that's, that's what Paul did. And, and he said, and he said I do all this, this I do for the gospel's sake. It's not for me. It's for, for people to get saved, that I might be a partaker thereof with you. He, and again, he said, I am made all things to all men that I might by any means save some. Now, if he's saying I'm doing this to save them, don't you think once they get saved, he'll continue to be all things to all men? Amen? Uh, listen, he's going to continue to be the same person even after they get saved and meet their needs where they're at. He'll, he'll deal with them in that personal manner afterwards. And it was an honorable ministry that Paul had before God who looks at the heart. Because that's the way God looks at us. He looks on he looks in on the heart. And seeking to win others for Christ. It's not only a matter of us speaking boldly. You know, you can take somebody to get out there and scream on the street corner. You know, it's not just about being loud, it's not just about speaking up, hollering, raising your voice or anything like that, or even speaking out boldly about being saved. But there has to be a corresponding life of testimony to go along with that witness. What do you mean? I mean, listen, somebody who, who's somebody who's a worldly Christian who does all kinds of things that they know Christians shouldn't do, could they get out and hand out tracts? Sure. But I can tell you this, if somebody knows them to be that kind of person, they're not going to take that track from them. They're not going to want that track from them. They're going to say, look, if that's what a Christian is, I don't want no part of it. There has to be a life that's separated unto God, a holy life that, that we're living. And I know none of us are going to be perfect every day, and that's why we still need a Savior. We still need to go to him for forgiveness and cleansing every day. But listen, we have the Word of God, and we have the Spirit of God living inside of us in, to encourage us and lead us in the Word and keep us from sin. Amen, so that we can lead a holy life before God and walk before him in ministry and, and ministering to people as we go about our way. But we've got to have a testimony to back up that. We, we witness with our lips, but we, we live it with our life. We, we, we back it up. We confirm it or deny it with our life. And the sad thing is most Christians don't realize how many people are watching them to find out by their lives to answer the question as to whether or not Christianity is even real to begin with. And in this day and time we live in, there's a lot of people probably doubts whether what we believe is even real because of the way the world treats God, because the way the world portrays God. They may say, oh, it's just a fairy tale. But you know what? You, you come around and say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, they're going to watch you. 
Because if you're a Christian, we want to see if there's something to that. And they're watching you to see if it's real. Amen? And I, you know what I'd hate to do? I'd hate for somebody to watch me and say, oh, they're going to do that. That ain't real. I'd hate for somebody to look at my life and not be able to tell that I was saved. <clears throat> you know, there's people looking at you to see if, it even, if, 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 if the Christian life satisfies, if it'll make you happy. Amen? Listen, if it'll give you joy. There's people looking to see if you have joy in your life. There's people that are looking to see if it pays to serve the Lord or whether it's a, whether that ain't a good deal at all. I don't know why anybody wouldn't be saved. Listen, they're watching you, so it matters that you walk walk the right way before the Lord and before the world. Not to be saved, but because you're saved. Amen? Like I said, Paul delivered the message in word, but he backed it up in deed as he ministered to the Thessalonians. Uh, Thessalonians. His daily life before them was that of a man who was walking in the will of God. And in verse 12, he finishes this whole section of Scripture. And he says to them that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. Sounds sound like a tall order to walk worthy of God, doesn't it? What does that mean? Let's let's look at it. Now we're and now notice, let's back up again. That you would walk worthy of God, who hath called you into His kingdom and glory. Whether you realize it or not, we're living in the kingdom of God right now. Amen. Listen, we're, if we if those of us that are saved. If you're saved this morning, if you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, you are a part of the body of Christ. You was placed by the Spirit of God into the body of Christ the moment you got saved, and we are a part of a spiritual body. We're part of His body, and all of that is consist. All of that consists of the kingdom of God. That's God's domain. That's God's control. Amen. And and but there's there's a glorious kingdom coming, the kingdom of heaven. It's coming down to man. Amen. One of these days. Hey, listen. After, after the tribulation period's over. Listen, the Christ is coming back with all the saints who've been caught up into heaven. We're going up as soon as that trumpet sounds, folks. And I, and I don't expect it's going to be too far off. The way this world's turning, the way things are going, listen, this thing, everything's moving faster and faster and faster but toward, toward a one-world uh, tyrannical government controlled by Antichrist. It's going to happen, and we're going to be out of here, but we're coming back. He's coming on a white horse. We're coming on white horses with him, and he's going to set up his kingdom on earth. And we're going to share in that kingdom. And throughout eternity, we're going to be with our Savior. Never depart. And if you think about it, God's called us to walk a walk that's consistent with our destiny. Think about it. Think about it. Our destiny. What's our destiny? We're going to share in that kingdom of Christ. He says so. He tells us. We're going to rule and reign with him. That's what the Bible says. Amen? If you read the last few chapters of Revelation, you'll see all about it. We're going to rule and reign with him. So we have a destiny ahead of us as children of the king. Amen? Y'all agree with that? Okay. All right. I'm trying to make sure we're on the same page here. So a child that's born into a royal family is given special care. Right? That person, that child, can't go out and do all the things that the other children do. They can't do it in the same way. Why? Because he's special. He's been called and set aside for a special purpose. 
He's being prepared for a place of responsibility and leadership. So he can't go and just live his life however. He's got to be trained and raised upright to do a great thing. Well, we're in that same position. You and I are royalty. You may not feel like royalty this morning. You can look at your bank account and say, I don't feel like royalty. I sure don't look like royalty. Amen. I ain't rich like royalty, but praise God, you've got royal blood flowing through your veins this morning to be saved. You're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That can't ever be changed. You can't lose your, your royal uh, heritage that you got coming. You got, you got, I mean, what's coming ahead of you, it won't ever be taken away. So we don't we don't walk worthy in order to be saved or in order to become a royal child of God, but we are to walk worthy because we're saved and because we're a child of the King by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul gives these Christians at Thessalonica this exhortation to walk worthy. And that can solve a lot of problems in your life if you just try to live by that standard. People that come to a preacher or a Sunday school teacher and they'll say, you know, is this right? Can I do this? Is, is this okay? Is this dishonor God? Can I, can a Christian do this and this, that, and the other? And, you know, would he be pleased with me in this situation? Well, if you want to find out, just, just ask, just just think for a second. Well, is this worthy? Is this something worthy of a child of God? Is this something that a child of God ought to do? Would God be pleased with me? Would I would I want to do this if, if if Jesus were physically in the room and I could see him? Would I would I do this or would I not? You can figure out real quick if you want to find out if it's right or not. You know, if you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you, you ain't got to find the scripture verse. All you got to do is ask. God will let you know. God don't want to be dishonored. You just ask him. He'll, he'll let you know. Again, it's not a it's not a book of do's and it's not a book of don'ts. God loves you. He loves you like nobody's ever loved you and nobody ever will love you. So in light of that, don't look at the things that he says don't do as a horrible list of negatives. Look at what you have. Look at what you have ahead of you, regardless of what's going on around you. Just like the, the believers in Thessalonica, they were, and we're going to see, they were persecuted because they, they had completely came out from a pagan world and said no to it and turned away from it and believed on Christ and began to witness and live for Jesus in the midst of everybody else around them who believed exactly the opposite and thought they had lost their ever-loving minds. But yet they had something that was real, and people could see that it was real because they could beat them up, they could throw them in jail, they just kept on witnessing for the Lord. They didn't change. And if what's in you is real, this world ought not be able to change it. It ought not be able to steal it from you. Don't let the devil take away what God's done in you. Listen, God wants to love on you. Amen. I love you. I'm thankful to be your pastor. I'm thankful to get to teach you and preach to you the word of God. And I want to see you grow. I, I, I'm not up here for my, my sakes. I'm up here for your sakes. Amen. I, I preach for you. It's not for me. Amen. I want you to take it, and I want I want God to take it, and I want him to, to fit it into your life and, and, and give you strength and power and, and give you the ability to do more today than you ever did yesterday. God loves you, and he wants you to be blessed. Take hold of what, everything he's got for you. Don't deny him anything. Let him have access to every part of your life. If there's any area, let me say this morning, if there's any area of your life right now you wouldn't let God in, 
there's something wrong in it. And you and I both know it. And you and God both know it. If there's something or somebody or some something that's keeping you back from growing as a believer, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to put his finger on it in this service, to put it right on it and show you this is hindering me. And if God will do that, I wonder this morning, how many of you would be willing to say, if God will show me what it is he wants me to remove so I can be a better servant, I'll get it out of there. By his grace, I'll remove it so that I can be a better servant of God. I wonder if you do that. I urge you this morning, trust God with your life. If you trusted him with your eternal soul, why not give him your life too? Let's stand together.